we have such talented people here, and uh, I'm thankful that we have high enough ceilings that a 12-foot tree just brings some definition and, and, and some contour to the place, but uh, I love this season of the year. In fact, yesterday was God's gift to me, a 50-degree December day where I can go outdoors and put my Christmas lights up and not get frostbite. Uh, they may not come down till March, but they're up in the warm weather. And uh, last night as I was uh, standing out in the yard kind of looking to make sure that everything looked good, I'm looking up and down my street and so many of my neighbors are in that celebration mode and, and uh, it just begins to bring a, uh, an excitement to the season. And I'm so thankful for those of you who are uh, so talented in decorating and uh, we're going to um, buy, uh, not next week because next week we have our children's program, but uh, by the week after that, what we hope to do is have a scene set up here because so many families come and get their pictures taken here that we're going to plan to have a bench so that families can get their portraits taken because uh, Pastor Mark and his team does such a great job. And, and I know Gina Trolley was highly involved in, in all of this. And we want to make sure that there's something nice for people so they can begin to get some pictures taken. So if you want to do that, on, uh, it'll be up through Christmas Eve and, and a little after that. If you take Christmas pictures after that, it'll be for next year. Uh, but uh, thank you for all who put in that work. Over the next three weeks, um, not counting next week, I want to I begin to talk about some of the qualities that knowing Christ at Christmas brings to us. And today we're going to be starting with joy. Uh, in fact, the title of today's message is News of Great Joy. News of Great Joy. Father, we, we come before you this morning and I'm thankful for the family of God and the new friends that we're making and for those that may be here today that are not yet in relationship with you, that before they leave today, they also can likewise enter into this relationship which brings great joy to our lives. May we not lose sight of the reason for this season and may we pursue you, O God, with all of our heart and we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Some of you may have relatives that lived during the Great Depression. And, and if you did or if you went through that, then you recognize that there's a nature. I, I recognized it in my grandparents and my great-grandparents as they save everything. Because they learned to live with nothing during some really difficult times, and so they're not going to give anything away. And the reason being is that during that time, there was a family during the Great Depression that was unable to afford anything, and... The children knew that they had to scrape by on the bare necessities. And one day there was news that came that in the little town that they lived, that the circus was coming to town. And the little boy of the family got so excited about that that he ran to his dad and he asked if he could have the money to buy a ticket. And the father had to tell his son, I'm, I'm so sorry, we, we just don't have the money for you to go to the circus. But here's the deal, son. If you will go out and work and earn some money, whatever you earn... Your mom and I will do our very best to match it so that you can get a ticket to go to the circus. And so with that motivation, that, that little boy dove into a work ethic that his mom and dad had never seen before and began to do anything that he could do to raise enough money. And a few days before the circus came to town, he found that he had just enough to pay for half of it, and he went to his mom and dad, expressed what he had, and they scraped together and did without for some other things so that they could help him buy this ticket for the circus. And the day that the circus came to town, again, for those of you that are old enough to remember that, 
the small town that I lived in in Nebraska, they always had a parade up Main Street. And the little boy could not wait to go, and so he ran there, and he's standing on the sidewalk as the parade of the circus and all of the animals and the clowns and, and all of the performers begin to make their way, and he just is giddy with excitement as he's watching the parade, and he sees the animals and the elephants and the tigers and the horses, and he's just overwhelmed with seeing all of this. And one of the clowns came over, and as he's jumping up and down, he reached out his hand, and he gave the clown his ticket, and the clown made a big deal, and just it just brought him nothing but joy, and he ran home to tell his dad, I've, I've, seen the, I've seen the circus. And his father began to ask him, well, son, you're back here before the circus even began. How can you say you saw the circus? And he began to explain what he saw, and the father looked at him and said, oh, son, you didn't see the circus. You saw the parade. You only saw the parade. Let's get your ticket, and let's go to the circus. And he said, I gave my ticket to a clown, and I don't have it anymore. And as I was reading that story, it reminds me of people at Christmas time. We get so caught up sometimes with the carols and the trees and the lights and the gifts and the lists. And yes, even the parties and, and the places that we're expected to be that we think that we're experiencing Christmas, but really what we're just experiencing is the parade. We're experiencing not the main event, but we're just experiencing everything that leads up to it. And then we begin to be satisfied that having seen the parade and been involved in the parade, that that is all there is to this. And over these next two or three weeks, I want each of you to know the absolute benefits that we are given because of the real event of Christmas. And today, the word that we have displayed before us is joy. I want you to know the real joy of Christmas. The angels announced it as a source of joy to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2 and verses 10 and 11 when it says, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, who is Christ the Lord. Now I recognize today that there will be people that will have some level of joy that don't even know Christ during Christmas. Because the event itself can, can work itself into the point where, where we just enjoy all of the excitement, but it is possible for us, while we have a level of excitement and while we have levels of joy and, and happiness, but we don't know the true joy of Christmas. Cindy and I had a conversation when we were driving back from uh, Maryland after Thanksgiving, and, and we were overwhelmed by the number of people that we met that had no joy because of Christmas the conversations that took place about everything that must be done and the sadness and the anxiousness and that, was, that was coming along with us. And we're going, somewhere along the way, we've let the parade overwhelm the main event. And, and we've allowed ourselves to enter into a place where anxiousness and the fear of overspending and the fear of all of these things we do takes away from the fact that Jesus Christ has come to bring great joy to his people. And so in the middle of your preparations and this wonderful time of year, let me turn your focus for just a few minutes to the main event of Christmas, the main event that brings us the joy. And if you don't know him as your Savior today, I can't wait to introduce to you the main event because he makes all the difference in the world. There are four quick points that I would like to share with you this morning before we have communion. The first is this, why did the angel describe the news about the Savior's great joy? It 
Because the news about the Savior brings great joy because it's good news for those in the dark. It's good news for those in the dark. The scripture begins to describe a scene of shepherds who were accustomed to being in the outdoors and accustomed to a life of, of loneliness and isolation. Perhaps the only friends they had in the world were them themselves, and they are used to what it's like to be in absolute pitch darkness. For those of you that love the outdoors, you can see stars that you've never seen before when you get away from the ambient light of the city, and they were used to this, so much so that dark was probably their preferred environment. And when the announcement came that great joy was being born on earth, it tore them up. They were the ones that, standing in the dark, suddenly this massively bright light that would be equal to turning the night sky into a noonday moment, split the sky and absolutely scared them to death. And then the angel's voice even added more to the fear. But within this description that's given to us in Scripture, I want you to see a picture that looks today like the darkness of humanity that we live in. We live in a dark day. It's a dark day morally. It's a dark day ethically. It's a dark day politically. It's a dark day militarily. Everywhere we look, we have to admit that there's not much to be optimistic about if it was not for the main event of Jesus Christ coming to bring us joy. And in all of this picture, we live in a place where humanity is lost and sitting in darkness, and they're sitting in the shadow of death, and in the middle of that, the main event comes and says, I've come to bring light into your dark places. And when the glory of the Lord and all of His holiness breaks upon the lives of people who are in the darkness of sin, their response and our response will be one of great fear. Because we never fully understand how righteous God is and how sinful we really are. In fact, even through Scripture, when God revealed Himself... To those who knew him, it caused them fear. We, we read of encounters that they had in the Old Testament when God appeared to Moses on Mount Sinai, and it said, and the mountain shook, and there were lightning flashes, thunder and thick clouds, and the sound of a trumpet, and the people were so afraid that they dare not come near the mountain. So powerful is the splitting of the darkness when God shows up. Then, when godly Isaiah saw God, through a vision, he cried out, Woe is me, for I am ruined. In other words, as I have this moment to be in the presence of the epitome of light, I see just exactly my own condition, and it's not good. And there was this moment of self-respect or self-inspection that said, I cannot stand in the presence of this great light. The problem today is that there are many people in our culture that don't know they're in danger. If I were to be standing in the line of a bank and somebody runs in and grabs me by the arm and forcibly drags me out and rips my clothes and bruises my arm and, and then I look at them and say, what are you doing? I lost my place in line and you've wounded me. If I didn't know what was going on, I could be so angry about it. But if the bank was being robbed... And somebody ran in and grabbed me and drugged me out. I would not care that my clothes may have been ripped or that I bruised because somebody spared me. The issue of this Christmas as we're facing is there are many people that don't know that they're in danger of eternal fire because of their sin. 
They don't see the conditions around them. Everybody has told them everything's going to be okay. There's nothing going on. And I want us to know today that in the main event, when you step into the presence of the light of Jesus, you see yourself as you really are, one in great need. And he comes as the deliverer. In fact, the Bible says that if you have not received Jesus Christ as your Savior, whether you realize it or not, you are in the greatest imaginable danger eternal danger. If you should die without Christ, you have to stand before a holy God against whom you have committed offenses. And the Bible says it is appointed for men to die once, and after that comes the judgment. Without Christ, you're in danger. And so like these shepherds that were sitting in the darkness and suddenly seeing this blinding light, we should be terrified at the thought of standing in the presence of a holy God without the joy of the Lord being within us. Because it's against that backdrop that the light shined and split the darkness to give a direction. Secondly, the news about the Savior brings great joy because it's true news. You see, news is only good if it's true. Now, some years ago, I received an email from somebody who told me that she was the widow of a foreign king in Africa. And she wanted me to help her get $10 million transferred into the United States, and for my help, I would receive the sum of $2 million. Now, you can imagine my joy at being the only American selected out of our population to receive this very profitable humanitarian effort. She said, God gave me your name because he knows that you are honest and helpful. The fact she spelled my name wrong didn't seem to matter. I mean, it must be legit, right? This is how God moves. Sounds like you got that email too. I'm so disappointed. What you discover if you follow through with that is that good news is only good if it's real. It's not good news if it's not true. The news that Jesus is born as the Savior is nothing more than a sick joke if Jesus didn't really come. And so we begin to look at the proofs of the fact that Jesus is here. And Luke wants us to to know it's true because he does massive amounts of research. And Luke, the doctor, as he writes his book and has done great research and talked to many people, and his gospel is the fruit of careful research. In fact, many scholars believe that Mary, the mother of Jesus, is Luke's direct source of information for the birth narrative. Nobody knows more about Jesus' birth than Mary, who was there. And so Luke 2.19 reports that Mary treasured up all these thoughts and pondered them in her heart. In other words, she's waiting to tell the story of what took place. And so for you and I today, reading the scripture of the Christmas story and the coming of Jesus and the coming of joy, for us to doubt the veracity of her personally recorded events means that you're pitting your word against the woman of integrity who was personally closer to these events than anyone else. Then there's the witness of the shepherds that that further confirms the historical accuracy of these events. Why would they fabricate this story? And why would they fabricate the story the way that it really existed? 
The things that they heard and saw of, of common couple and the birth of a baby in a stable were not the sort of things that you would fabricate. If you were writing a Hallmark Channel movie about this, this is not the way it would look. It would be different. We know that there are miracles. We know that the Savior came with qualities because of his godness. But we find everything that has been written and researched to be true. The virgin conception of Jesus in Mary's womb, the appearance of the angels, the events that are presented matter-of-factly and not in a way that sound make-believe. And the truth of the narrative is further, is further proved by the access that we have looking back on all of the prophecies that were fulfilled in Jesus. Luke states that Jesus was born in the city of David. 700 years before that, Micah had prophesied that to be the case. In Luke chapter 1, verses 67 through 79, Zechariah's prophecy shows how the birth of John the, the Baptist fulfilled many of Isaiah's prophecies and would be followed by the coming of the Messiah. And we see it in just the right order and in just the right time as prophecy is fulfilled to prove that the news of Jesus' birth is good news because it's true news. He was seen by many eyewitnesses. The events that surrounded his birth and his life and his death and his resurrection and his ascension are verified because they've been seen by so many different people. And so today we know the joy of the Lord has come because the news of his birth is true news. And so we can hang on to it. Thirdly, the news about the Savior brings great joy because it's the news of Christ the Lord. Jesus is a unique person. Consider the uniqueness of him as we begin to look, first of all, as the fact that he is the Christ, Scripture declares. Christ is Greek for the anointed one, or Hebrew, it would be the Messiah. It means that God the Father sent the anointed Jesus for his mission of salvation. He was anointed as prophet to preach the gospel. He was anointed as priest to offer sacrifices for sins. And he was anointed as king to reign supreme, as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He alone is able to reconcile sinful people to God through his life and his sacrificial death and his resurrection. He is Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Christ is born. And we today are changed as a result of that. Then it says that he's Christ, the Lord. The same word is used in Luke chapter 2, verse 9, and also in verse 23 to refer to God. The Savior that's born in Bethlehem is God in human flesh. God incarnate. All the qualities of God wrapped up in a human being, and he lives on this earth with all of the knowledge that God has and all of the memories that God has and all of the, the desire to see the hand of God work within this world. And the reason that that is important is because if he was not fully God, his death would be meaningless. If he were not fully God, he would not have been able to take our place. If he were not fully God, his blood would have been the blood of any other man and woman. 
But because he is Christ, the Lord, fully God, when he died, every lamb's life was spared because the lamb of God has been slain. No other sacrifice is necessary. His blood today is so powerful, it can change your life today because it still washes away sin and makes you clean. The reason we have joy is because he's Christ, the Lord. Hallelujah. But being Christ the Lord and fully God did not take away the fact that in him is also, he's fully man. And that's important too for us to remember. Because he was born in Bethlehem, he didn't descend from the sky. He was conceived miraculously in Mary's womb and he went through the stages of development just like any other human baby. But as a man... He represents to us one who has walked through every stage of life that we go through. There's nothing that you go through in your life that he hasn't first experienced. No temptation known to man that he didn't experience. And as a man, he overcame them so that as God, he could die for us. Fully God, fully man. Christ the Lord. He's the reason that we have joy Fourthly, the news about the Savior brings great joy because it's for all people. You and I probably have had conversations with people, and as we're talking to them about the fact that Jesus loves them enough to die for them, they may stop you and say something like this, Oh, no, 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 no. God could never love me. God, God could never love me. He can love you because you're a good person. And, you know, you started out with this basic goodness. But if you knew who I was and if you knew what I had done, then you would know that God may have made a list of all people, but I'm not on it. And the reason that the good news of joy at Christmas has come is because very clearly within the Scripture, the angels proclaimed it from heaven that none of us are exempt. None of us are outside the desire of God to bring you into relationship with Him. None of you have ever done anything in your life that is so bad, God's blood can't set you free. We're all included. It's good news because it's for all the people. If you're a people, you qualify. Hallelujah. He said, I am the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. So the choice for you today is there's joy, abundant joy awaiting you in a relationship with the one who says, I have come to give great joy to all the people. Some of you may be familiar with the old guidepost magazines, and there was a story that was written back in 1976 about a, some poor country children who were eagerly awaiting their father to come home. He worked in a foundry in the town, and at Christmas time he would come home and he would generally bring a tree with him and some small gifts, and it was their favorite night of the year. What they didn't know is that the dad's foundry is closed and all of them who were there had lost their job and he knew he was coming home that night with, with no money, and no Christmas tree and no gifts. And as he walked in the door, empty-handed, the faces of his children just began to drop and his heart was overwhelmed with sadness because as a father he didn't feel he was providing well. And the kids still held out hope that somehow dad would come up with a tree, at least a tree. So the father went out into his garage and he took a two-by-four and he began to drill holes in that. And just up the street from them, there was a 
a large house with an estate that on three sides of it, it was, there was wind blocked by these beautiful pine trees. And he went up to the house there and he knocked on the door and he said, would you mind if, if I just picked up some of the, the pine limbs that have fallen on the ground and described to her what he was trying to do to make a Christmas tree by just sticking in the two-by-four and the lady that was there said, go right ahead. So as he's taking these limbs and working with the kids to try to whittle them down so they can stick them in these little pre-drilled holes so that they can have a two-by-four Christmas tree, there was a knock on their door. And the lady in the house had talked to her kids and they said, we want you to know that we can't control anything about what may have happened with your job, but we can control this. And they drug in a beautiful Christmas tree that she had cut out of her own windbreak. And the little girl that was writing this story now as a grown-up woman said, I lived in that house most of my life. And she said, whenever I would drive by that house, there was one, one hole in their windbreak, and I knew that that hole was there because they'd cut down a tree for me. The preciousness of that gift stayed with her her whole life. But what would the scene have been like had that woman and her children brought this Christmas tree to the door, knocked on the door, and said to them, we want to give you this as a gift because we know how hard it might be for you. And they looked at that and said, you know what, we got a two-by-four and some old limbs in here. We're, we're pretty good. We really don't want your gift. We're, we're willing to do without it. How hurt would the woman and her children who offered that gift be to know that something that was precious to them that was being offered was completely rejected? And as the worship team comes... I want to ask you a question. How hurt is our Father when we reject the gift of eternal life? You see, a gift only brings joy if you receive it. A gift only brings joy if you receive it. And in just a moment, we're going to prepare our hearts for communion, and I'm going to ask our ushers as the Worship team begins to lead us in song to distribute the elements, and, and we believe here at Grace Assembly in open communion, which means that if you have received Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you don't have to be a member here. We want all of you to participate. But if you haven't, let me just have you bow your head for a moment. Because great joy is being offered to you today. And it's as simple as saying yes to the giver of the gift and saying, I will take Jesus to be my very own. And if you're here today, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your head. If you're here today and say, I, I'm ready to receive this gift, would you just lift your hand? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to have a, a quick moment of prayer and then I'll speak to you. Is today the Lord knocking on the door of your heart as I'm looking around? Anybody today say, today I'm ready to receive the gift. Yes, I, I join you, sister, in that. Is there anyone else saying, I'm ready for this gift today? And Father, I pray with those upon whom you are knocking on the door of their heart, may today be the day we receive the gift, knowing the heart of the giver, and receive great joy in Jesus' name.
like a young plant like a root out of dry ground he had no form or majesty that we should look at him no beauty that we should desire him he was despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and as one from whom men hide their faces he was despised and we esteemed him not surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep that is before its shearers is silent, so he opens not his mouth. 
By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgressions of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. It is an incredibly encouraging thing to think about as you and I make our way through a world that is absolutely marked by hatred and violence and injustice and racism and betrayal and disloyalty and selfishness and abuse and many other forms of relational sin and brokenness. It is something that needs to be remembered in those moments when you have sinned against Him in some way. That there's nothing that He could not do and has not done to bring you back to a place. Because in your place, He faced rejection. He was despised. He was willing to subject Himself to hatred and violence. And He was willing to have the Father... When all of our sin was placed upon him, have it be so ugly that the father turned his head away from the son. And why was he willing to do all of this for us? He did it so that you and I could be his children. And that you and I may be able to have a life of hope and a life of peace and to live with joy great joy because Jesus has come so in the middle of this day I want you to know this regardless of who you are or what you may have done in the face of a human community that is in great need he wants you to know today that you are perfectly and eternally loved If nobody has told you today that they love you, on behalf of Jesus, let me tell you, I love you. Thus saith the Lord. Would you stand with me, please? The Bible says that in the night in which Jesus betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And last we talked about last week, he gave thanks. He gave thanks for the bread. And he distributed it among the men that were sitting there. And he he said, this is a symbol of my body, and it's going to be broken. My body is going to be turned from what you see now into something that will be visually very difficult for you to look at because it's going to be broken for you. Today we stand on the grace side of redemption. Some of you have already found in your life that there has been divine healing that has been appointed to you by virtue of the stripes that he suffered. And there are some of you today that need divine healing in your body. And I want you to know it was provided for in the atonement. And when he held that piece of bread that was the symbol of his broken body, he said, I want you to remember this every time you eat together. Remember what I'm doing for you. Father, we ask that you would bless this wafer which represents your body as we partake in remembrance of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us partake.
When they had finished their meal, Jesus took the cup that was there and again, like we talked about last week, gave thanks for that element of the meal as well. And he held it up before them and he said, this is the new covenant. In other words, you've lived your whole life trying to be good enough, trying to live by the law, and you are incapable of that. So, because great joy has come into the world at my birth, I'm going to do something about that for you. My blood, which is going to be shed on the cross after my body is beaten, is going to be the blood that transforms everything. There will not be another lamb or goat or bird that will ever need to be sacrificed because their lives have been spared because I'm coming in their place to pay your sin cost. You will be justified because of what my blood provides for you. And so I want you to remember that every time you take this cup together. And so today... 2,000 years later, we still, in memory of what Jesus did, hold the cup. So, Father, as we lift it before, we ask that you would bless it. Bring to our memory the very things that you did so that we could have great joy today in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us partake. I'm going to ask our, our deacons pastoral staff if they would please make their way to the front because we believe in praying for people that just need somebody to join them in faith believing it would be difficult for us to talk about the miraculous power of the blood of Jesus without giving opportunity for the miraculous power of the blood of Jesus to be at work within you so before I close the service this morning I just want to invite you that if there's things taking place in your life that are robbing you of joy things that are pressing in on your mind and you're wondering if I can, can I truly have great joy? Then I want to invite you to come as I conclude in prayer and let somebody join you in prayer. Maybe you have a physical need that just, we're going to believe by faith today that God can bring healing to you. I can tell you that everybody up here is trustworthy and are people of faith. would love to join with you in prayer. So Father, today we've been taught about the quality of great joy that is given to us as a gift because of your coming. I ask now that you would let us live in it, that we wouldn't be satisfied with the parade, but we want the main event. I don't want just the lights. I want the Jesus. I want the light of the world in my life and all that you represent, oh God. And may that light living within me transcend my humanness and be able to touch others with the good news, that great joy has come with Jesus. Bless us as we go. As we honor you, O God, give us opportunities to be spokesmen for you to the lost in the dark. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great day in the Lord and be filled with joy. Wipe the sadness out of your life and be filled with joy this morning.